podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back in blitz month rolls on and we are going to wrap up week number one of blitz month with the second half of the Aggieville alley cats. He is my podcasting son and I think he is going to be the youngest feature on blitz month again this year. He and his co-hosts have my favorite K-State sports podcast. So if you're not listening you're no friend of mine. It is Ace Edwards of Aggieville Alley Cats. Ace, welcome back. It's Blitz Month 2022. I feel like just, you know, yesterday we were doing Blitz Month 2021. I'm happy to have you on. Uh, how have you been? How's your summer been? Uh, Connor's kind of, you know, I love you unconditionally, but he's been a part of some of the live shows a little bit more often than you. So uh, he, he might be edging in front of you. How's your summer been? Oh, my summer's been all right, and I promise I have a I have an excuse note for the live shows. I've been uh, working a little bit. I worked at a non-disclosed sandwich place that I may or may not have complained about on Twitter once or twice. But as for how my summer has gone, it's pretty. It's been pretty standard, you know, just doing the show. Uh, I went to Louisville to help out my high school with uh, forensics nationals. That's probably the the biggest thing that I did, but outside of that, just working, doing the show and enjoying the summer going into my senior year. Nothing wrong with working. I'm all about that. You do have a pass. I just like to badger both you and Connor as much as I can. I I had a realization when I was talking to your co-host and again, anyone who has missed any of the blitz month shows, I've set them up to be pretty evergreen. So don't use that as an excuse. Go back to Wednesday, listen to me and Connor's conversation. I had the realization that you guys weren't even alive for the 1998 football season. And again, I've had a handful of shit. I'm old uh, moments this summer. Um, That was another one of them. So I'm telling you, enjoy your youth while you can. Uh, Your final summer before your senior year of undergrad at K-State do you have any like bucket list things that you want to do in your final two semesters at K-State? I want to finish the the bar run because I've been to, I think, every bar in Aggieville except for, I think, two. Uh, I haven't been to Tate's and I haven't been to Annie Mae's, which is weird because Connor that's Connor's favorite bar. Well, I can't believe you haven't been to Annie Mae's, but... Um... My sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, have you been to every iteration? Because my brother, he lives in Manhattan. He always sends me Snapchats and pictures every time one bar closes, and then sure enough, three months later, it opens up under a different concept. So, have you hit it with all the different iterations, or just have you been to each spot? I've been to each spot except for those two before, and I, I have to say that, um, 
the the winning contender so far again haven't been to Annie Mays is and I feel dirty saying this because it's technically a chain but it's it's Tanner's and the only reason for that is because the peach cooler which I don't care what anyone says that thing's damn delicious <laughs> I've only been to that spot as Tanner's once and that was uh my little brother's and he he uh proposed to his now wife uh and we were all waiting for them there. I, I will say, I don't think there's a single bar in Aggieville I would go into at my ripe old age of 30, except for Auntie May's. So uh, that's the only one. And I wouldn't do it during like while school's in session. Like if, if I go back for a basketball game during winter break, or, you know, if I'm ever there over summer, I will go there. But uh, I think it's been that long. Actually, I don't even know the last time I was in Aggieville. So Go go to Annie Mays, enjoy your youth, uh, finish up that you know bucket list. Um, I I asked this on the live show, um, and you weren't on there, but I am curious of this one. How do you get through like July and August as we build up to football season? Um, you know, it's still about an arm's length away. We're recording this on the thirty first of July. It'll you know be released. We'll be inside of a full month before kickoff but i'm just curious what are your surefire ways to get through the final you know two months of the off season it is quite literally just me clawing my way to the end i think i've watched the texas bowl five or six times and most of it is because i'm pretentious and like to pretend i know things about football i just go through and i'm like okay, well, this is the the play calling concept Colin Klein was using here. And some of it, especially more recently, has been looking into the the first game of the year against South Dakota, just so we can get that scouting report started. But yeah, it's just watching a lot of old games, uh, specifically K-State games. Like yesterday, I think I did a little run to where I watched... I believe I watched Nevada TCU and there was one other game that I watched, but it's, it's just watching old games and reading a lot on KSO good and bad. Yes. Shout out to KSO. Um, I still have not watched the second half of Nevada or not Nevada of uh, TCU because I, I I went to a wedding and I I never, I, I, uh, I had Grant do the game review on that. Um, I, so it, it all depends on when the Iowa state game time is I'm, I'm going to a wedding on that day. And since I don't technically have a co-host anymore, I I don't know what I'm going to do if, uh, if it's like a night game and I miss it or even an afternoon wedding and it's an 11 AM game, I'm not 100% confident how I'm going to do that game review or that, uh, post game Q and a. So, uh, I'm going to have to do some planning, but I, I, I still haven't rewatched the Texas bowl. That is something I might do this upcoming week. I'll, I'll tell you this. I uh, started uh, last Thursday. I always rewatch Friday night lights starting in late July through August. So uh, I'm getting my coach Taylor fix right now. So it's going to be close. I mean, again, we are just, I mean, we're less than a month away from week zero where we all get to watch uh, Nebraska, hopefully lose to Northwestern. We laugh at them. So it's, it's going to be fun. It's almost here. Um, one final kind of 
bit of you know nonsense before we get into the outline uh what is your favorite spot like well time out are you in manhattan for the summer or are you back home uh right i go back and forth but i've mostly been at home like i've visited manhattan okay what's your favorite thing to do in manhattan during the summer because my favorite summer i wasn't 21 but my favorite summer was my towny summer so what's do you have a favorite thing to do while it's not as wild with all the students there. This is something that actually that Connor kind of put me on and that's just taking really peaceful walks. Cause there's a bunch of trails everywhere and Connor got into walking in the middle of last year, I think. So the few times that I've gone up there, I've always found like a trail or something to walk just cause it's, Manhattan without the college students there is really serene it's just it's so it's almost like picturesque like you picture you know Kansas you know no one lives here but it's like no one lives here but there's still things that exist and it's it's just really peaceful that's kind of the best way that I can describe it just peaceful going for walks in summer even though it is hot as hell out and you're sweating through your uh your quote-unquote dry fit shirt and <laughs> there's no dry fit shirts in Manhattan in summer that is very true so let's get into it and let's start with something that's kind of on point I believe you're the only current student we're going to have on the show what is the vibe about this upcoming season amongst the student fans uh, 2021 was the lowest non-pandemic year for student football attendance and ticket sales since the Ron Prince era. Is there like a renewed excitement among the students? Will we see more students than last year? Just kind of give me the vibe check amongst your peers. The most that I can probably say on that is every single person has kind of moved up a tier. It So you're not having this collective agreement to where every single student is buying tickets and every single student is is super excited that's just that's not the reality that you live in whenever you have so many streaming options but what i will say is that like i said everyone's kind of moved up a tier so if you were kind of on the fence on buying season tickets for football basketball you're going to move up into buying it and at least attending a few games if you buy it, attend a few games, you're going to go to all the games. If you're excited, you're really freaking excited. So I will say among the people that already cared, there's been a lot of excitement and they are pulling in new people. So I would expect it to be higher than last year. I'm not sure if I would venture to say by a lot, but I would predict and almost certainly be wrong because the universe really likes making me wrong that there would be an increase in at least on campus people are going to be talking about it more yeah it it will be interesting to see and again uh with basketball some seats have been taken away for premium seats uh it looks like they're exclusively using uh you know that that band section the section right uh, at the end of the student section for general population ga so hopefully it looks better. Again, I think all sorts of demographic changes with, you know, Gen, you know, Z's uh, desire to see live sporting events, uh, lower enrollment 
again, I don't think it's just a, oh, the, the this generation sucks. I think there's a lot of things at play, but I'm hoping to see it. Uh, and again, the, the fans that are there, I'm going to say this, the fans that are there, football and basketball, they're still as wild as ever. Again, I got to sit courtside for the West Virginia game and getting to hear all the stuff going on behind, it, it is still great. I just, uh, I think everyone longs to see, you know, the old days of, cramming 12,000 people into 8,000 seats at football stadium at uh, Bill Snyder family stadium and uh, the old octagon and doom. I I hope uh, it comes back uh, to a certain extent. And again, product on the field is what determines a lot of it. So I am happy to hear that maybe everyone is up one tier. Um, I got to ask you this. um, Do they still have the t-shirts that you guys vote on the ICAT t-shirts or have they moved on past that? Cause I do know for basketball season, you all get uh, replica jerseys, which is something they did not give my uh, class, not not even close to. If you, for this year, if you upgraded to ICAT before, I believe it was, it's like July 15th or something, you got a ICAT football jersey alongside the uh, basketball jersey. And Damn. I know your stance on football jerseys because well, I have well, a collection of them. Well, so, but- <laughs> so first off, first off, I was all, I was like a Jersey guy in middle school and all that type of stuff. I, I'm going to say this. I, I don't care. Like if, if you guys are in college, like, no, wear your jerseys, even like out of school, that's fine. Uh, for me, it's like, okay. When, when I became older than literally every college athlete and now more than half of the pro athletes, like I, I can't be wearing a Jersey of someone younger than me. So I, that takes out a lot of stuff, like a nice throwback. Yeah, that's fine. But I also, I, I would look so awkward rocking any Jersey. Uh, so I, I say in college, go for it. I actually thought it looked super cool seeing all the lavender jerseys in the student section last year. So while you're still a student, again, my, my whole take on jerseys is me as now a 30 year old. So don't let anything I say about those affect you or any of the young people. The young people. <laughs> you damn young. Yeah. The, the, the zoomers, you guys can still rock the jerseys. Um, and, and hell, I, I think you can get away with like a blank baseball Jersey. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I could be rocking a Cooper BB Jersey this fall. Although I think they will be for set on sale here in fanatics very soon where you can get a, uh, you know, an actual Nike replica Jersey uh, from fanatics, not from like China. And then they mm-hmm. send it to you with a purple Alabama logo. Uh, I saw like, I, I shit you not. Like I saw a ton of the counterfeit Deuce Vaughn Nike jerseys and they obviously fucked up because on the little V neck logo, it was the Alabama a in purple. So if you guys ever want to uh, find a knockoff, you know, in Bill Snyder family stadium, that is what you look for, but let's move on past that to the next one. Again, I'm asking this, this is uh, typically in this first section. I like to ask a lot of different questions because everyone uh, who's going to come on blitz month either has a podcast or they, uh, you know, write or they, you know, report on K state football. So I want to get as many different questions out there and perspectives, but for all this in week one of uh, Blitz Month, I, I, I've been asking, what is like the one or two stories you're going to really be keyed in on 
uh, this fall's uh, fall camp kicks off again. As we're recording this, uh, it hasn't started yet. So, you know, I, I knew you and Connor could can roll with the punches, get, get you guys in there, get into the fray early. I knew you guys could do it. So what are like one or two storylines you'll be really keyed in on? I'd say the first specific storyline that I'm specifically going to be really keeping an ear out for is anything in regards to the development of Malik Knowles. Because to me, he is probably the biggest wild card on in the receiving room because he is, for all intents and purposes, our wide receiver one. It's just the build that he has and the ability that he has. It's just for a couple of seasons, he hasn't been able to put it all together. You see flashes of him being like a really good gadget player. You see him make one or two really good catches a game. You say, wow, he's really good. And so that's something that I'm going to be listening for really closely because we've heard about uh, Cade Warner. We've heard about RJ Garcia, who's another, you know, a young guy, a young gun that the that there's been a lot of buzz about. So if Thad Ward ever gets interviewed or has media time, the number one thing that I'm going to be listening to from him is the developments of the more technical side of playing receiver from Malik Knowles. And the short answer for the second one, because I kind of went on for a little bit on the first, is just how the offensive line is going to line up. Because I've heard, now I'm not saying I have sources or anything nope. um this is a inside source report ace edwards <laughs> k-state football insider Let, let's hear what you're hearing and see if it me- meshes up with some of the stuff i've been hearing i've heard that the line is fluid but the it's looking like line gang will probably get significant snaps at left tackle which i had apprehension about because Cooper Beebe is an all big 12 left tackle and you don't move all big 12 left tackles places first but team all big first 12. team all big 12 but so I'm just really interested to see where everyone lines up because you have a few positions that are probably set in stone I think Christian Duffy retains right tackle I think that that's pretty well set in stone I think probably Gilly gets center Hayden Gillum get center it's between him and panzer but and you know bb's gonna start somewhere you just don't know where so just seeing how that unit comes together is going to be something to watch for me i would also say that i think uh taylor portier is written down in ink at right guard as well so uh I, i'm right there with you i i i'll be very interesting in panzer versus gilliam and then, you know, line gang versus KT Lev, although they're not even playing the same position. It's just who can cement themselves as the fifth or fourth best option. Uh, and that's going to be a great one. And again, I think it's a great problem to have. I think you have eight to nine truly big 12 capable offensive linemen in Connor Riley's room. Yeah. All right. So. The next one before we get into prediction time, what is your biggest question mark kind of hitting going into fall camp and into the season uh, that could, you know, be the difference between K-State getting a trip to Arlington and maybe falling short of that goal that I think, 
you would hope the team has. I think the team always has that goal, but I think fans are really excited and are seeing that as a second year where it is a realistic goal to have as a fan. Other than the obvious one of health, making sure everyone stays healthy, because as I, I really want Will to get to use his red shirt, <laughs> please. Just let him use his you know, damn red I shirt. I don't. I don't. I want him to be our, you know, belldozer. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't care if that makes me a bad person. <laughs> I. I, I want to see that. That's fair. But outside of that, I'd say the biggest question mark that I have was, you know, mentioned by Kleiman during Big Twelve Media Days, and that's safety arrangement. Because you ask different people, they all have differing opinions on like who plays where. And it is a question that there are a lot of strong opinions about. And it's just the question of how many people are we going to rotate at safety? What roles are they going to play? Will they excel in those roles? Will we end up getting caught in a situation to where we have, we're experimenting a little bit too much and that gets us burned on a couple of plays. So in one or two plays can make a difference in just about every single game that you think of, because one play does not exist in a vacuum. You can give up an 80 yard bomb and that steals momentum from you. So for me, it's the biggest one is health and then safety arrangements and how that's going to all be lined up. I love it. I I think I'm right there lockstep with you. Let's get into the predictions for the season. And again, I gave this caveat uh, to Connor. I, I gave it to hopefully Mitch Fortner. Again, I, I always hesitate saying some of this stuff when it hasn't been recorded yet. But the plan, hopefully, if you guys are listening to this, if everything went to plan, you guys heard Mitch Fortner on Tuesday. Uh, but it's still early. I think later on in Blitz Month, I'm going to give the caveat that if I hear anyone make different predictions in an official median, I'm going to have to sick the boneheads out there to break some necks, not necks, knees. We'll break knees. Lord. We're not going to break necks. But I, I want the best guess at your official predictions before we get into them, though, to make things a little bit more uh, wholesome. Remember, the first week of Blitz Month is sponsored by Adopt Don't Shop. Everyone who listens to this show knows that uh, Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, is actually officially the co-host of the show. So if you are looking for your next furry friend, please remember to adopt, don't shop. If you need help getting in touch with a great uh, adoption agency or rescue for furry friends in man or in uh, Kansas City, in the Kansas City area or Topeka, please reach out. And hey, everyone needs another dog. So get out there, adopt your next furry friend. And you know what? If you like cats, you can do that too. So let's get into it. There is no qualifiers. This is the first time in the history of Blitz Month or Blitz Week because we went from one week to two weeks to a month, and now, hey, we're going a month again. Who is going to be your offensive MVP? It almost has to be Deuce, doesn't it? I mean, I'm going to say make sure you listen to your (laughs) co-host. You guys disagree. I he probably said Adrian, but because quarterback's the most important position. That being said, I still think it's Deuce because, yes, Adrian Martinez, I believe, is a good player. I, he's not quite on the same level of Deuce Vaughn because what Deuce allows us to do 
is especially now that we have a more complimentary back to him and Anthony Frias is he can truly be that that Swiss army knife playmaker that you were you were talking about last year because he is a legitimate receiver option as my dog snores very loudly <laughs> he is that legitimate receiving option both out of the backfield and he can motion out it's just the flexibility that he allows the offense to have with his ability to catch his ability to run between the tackles his ability to make guys miss and his surprising ability for such a relatively small running back to fall forward so yes he doesn't play the most important position on the field at court as a quarterback but he's still probably the most important person on the offense I, I think that'll be the most common answer. I'll be interested where you go for this one. Who is going to be the defensive MVP again? No qualifiers. Without qualifiers, the easiest answer is Felix, but there's also a lot in this scheme with the three, three, five that defensive lineman makes it a lot harder to be the MVP. So this is a situation where it's not necessarily the best players, the MVP, it's quite literally the most valuable player. And that's probably Daniel Green coming out of that Mike linebacker spot in the 335 because he's asked to do just about everything as opposed and has similarly defined roles as opposed to the Jack Cash, whatever you want to call it, that third safety, who's more of a just a free roamer. So as the true Mike linebacker, I'd say Daniel Green's probably the most valuable position and player on defense. All right. So if you had to name a dark horse for that honor, who would you go with? A dark horse for that honor. If, well, I guess if we're going to go true dark horse, we're going to go with someone that I don't even know will be starting at this position. And that's Josh Hayes at Jack. Because right now, I think it's a toss-up between Josh Hayes and probably Sincere Mason for who plays that third safety, that Jack role. And that is a very important part of the defense. If you saw it from, uh, we had so many different people playing it last year. We had Ryan Hennington playing it for a couple of games. And then, of course, Reggie stepped in. Reggie Stubblefield, the sauce boss, ended up taking that role for his own. And if you have a legit player at that position suddenly your defense goes from a solid unit which we were a solid to good unit last year but if you have a really really good jack which i feel like josh hayes could be with his experience especially with the coaching style of chris Kleiman, learning a new ish position still defensive back but learning that new position he could be a dark horse for mvp I love it. Okay, uh, before we keep going, remember, we will be going live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. on ColorCast. Uh, except for maybe the bonehead extravaganza, we might have to flip over to Spotify Green Room uh, because, well, I want my Android f- uh, friends to join us. And that was the wildest and most crazy live show ever. Again, who knows if we'll actually be able to publish it because, again, uh it's sometimes unreliable when you have a two and a half, three hour long live show. So I hope everyone can join us. The chat is going to be lit. All you boneheads will get your chance to answer these questions and get on the record. 
So let's get into it. Um, who is going to be your breakout player on offense this season? Again, I took the young uh, player qualifier off this. This used to be a young freshman or sophomore. Now I'm just going to say anyone who has not started or played a significant role at K-State, again, that can include newcomers if you want. It can't be any worse than my guess last year. I'm going to go R.J. Well, Garcia. You guys both sucked last year. I think you had uh, Wright and uh, – Keenan Garber, mm-hmm. everyone wants Keenan Garber to be great, but he did not really even – he hardly played a meaningful snap. So you and Connor both were bad last year. To be fair, a lot of people picked Garber. but and I think a lot of people picked right as well. So, I, again, it's it's not that crazy. This is a tough question. This is a tough question. You're trying to project someone who hasn't done anything yet to become a significant uh, breakout player. So this these are the two toughest questions of Blitz Month. Yeah, but this year I feel like we've got an infinitely safer answer, and that's RJ Garcia coming out of the receiver room. And I know that we have our top three receivers pretty much set in stone. It's Malik Knowles at the X, uh, Cade Warner at Z, and Philip Brooks as the slot guy. And so you may be wondering, where does RJ Garcia fit in? Because I'm not sure that Colin Klein is going to embrace four wide at least as often as it would be necessary to really market. That being said, if say we want to give someone, you know, a little bit of oxygen, he's a legitimate option. He was a legitimate option last year. It's just, we ran more compact and more tight end formations to where, you know, you know, he didn't see the field because there aren't as many receivers This year, I feel like he has a very good chance to get much more time on the field. And I feel like he is in a weird Goldilocks state to where he could play just about every single receiving role, as opposed to Phillip Brooks, who's kind of Goldilocks and pigeonholed into playing, you know, slot or Z receiver, you know, and Malik, I really don't want to see Malik in the slot receiver role. I feel it's too limiting for him, but RJ is probably the the best answer because he can fit in just about anywhere in that receiver room and in the lineup. And we've been hearing a lot of good stuff about him. So safest answer I got. Yes. And I think he is a favorite amongst uh, kind of my niche of Twitter. And then of course the K state, uh, you know, KSO Twitter or and podcasting community, he's been a favorite ever since he uh, stepped on campus. So hopefully this is the year for him. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Again, if you think, uh, you know, Josh Hayes is going to be a dark horse, I assume you're going to have him be the uh, breakout player. You see, that is one of the answers I debated with. It was going to be a safety, no matter who, because I feel like Nate Matlick is in the same position where Felix was last year to where it's like, yeah, you can say Felix, at this point, it's not a secret. You're not saying anything. You're just saying words. Everyone knows. But, you know, it was between Drake Cheatham and Josh Hayes for me. And I know that Connor and I have been way higher on Drake Cheatham than I think just about everyone else has. And with that being said, I still think it's going to be Drake Cheatham to truly break out because Josh Hayes has Power 5 experience. So if we're going for a true breakout as in you know no one really quote unquote no one saw him coming i'm probably going to go with 
the guy from Prairie View A&M and HBCU and Drake Cheatham, who had legitimate plays against Texas A&M. And it was like one of two parts of the defense during that Prairie View A&M Texas A&M game that was legitimately giving A&M a little bit of trouble. So I think Cheatham not only finds himself in the starting lineup or at least the first guy off the bench in the safety spot, but I think that he has the potential to, he has all big 12 potential to me. And I tell you what, if we have another like big time fan favorite coming out of Prairie View A&M, like you got to just be thinking, all right, we're going to just take your best defensive back every uh, off season, which honestly, I think that would be a good little, you know, feather in the cap of Prairie View A&M. Hey, come here, be a star for three, four years. And then K-State's going to make you a fan favorite. So uh, I, I'll love seeing Drake Cheatham uh, play. And I, I, I agree. He's going to play. Um, all right. This is, this is always my favorite one. And I think unlike other years where we had this, and again, this is very early on, maybe everyone's going to keep saying the same game. When I look at this pendulum game of the season, I don't think there's an obvious pick. And I think other years there has been. So I'm, I'm curious where you landed for this one being your pendulum game of the year. And we, we define this as the one game that if you win, it could catapult you to a great season, but if you lose, it could sw- swing the season towards being bad. I could just break into coach speak and say the next one. I don't feel like that's a satisfying. Answer. No, I would, I, you would not get to come back next year. If that's if, <laughs> if, you, if you, if you said the next game, I would, I would, you would not get to come to blitz month, 2023 episodes over this one never releases no (laughs) i mean because because i again i'm doing this whole like you know burnout or die trying like you know episode every weekday uh i would release it i I mean i would i'm I'm not gonna throw it away uh but you would (laughs) not get to come back and i would you know have like a legitimate favorite of the aggieville alley cats also you guys are gonna have to come up with a new gif for uh when uh taylor does the uh cat signal so you're going to have to do that. And I would appreciate if you guys would just kind of fall in line and do a cat, but we'll talk about that offline. Uh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> the the serious answer for me on pendulum game of the year is going to be the first conference game. It's going to be Oklahoma for me because you're, I personally don't see us losing a non-con game because even though I grew up an MU fan, I hate Drinkowitz. And honestly, that's a common refrain amongst MU fans. There, there are legitimate rumbles amongst alum about getting Pinkle back. Pinkle is in the hospital. <laughs> is he really? Because he's supposed to be at the 810, uh, you know, uh, 20 or like 100th year anniversary or whatever. He's being billed he, as part of that event. So he's being treated for, I think he's being treated for some illness if I remember correctly. And they want him to come back and coach over Drinkowitz. So, you know, it's wild. So I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong because I definitely don't think that. Um, so I listen to more sports talk and podcasts than I should. And like the vibe, when I listen to Kansas city sports talk, so C dot Harrison over at six ten, he's a Mizzou fan. Uh, Steven St. John, uh, 810 in the morning show. He's a Mizzou fan. And then Seren Petro, who I think is pretty dialed. As I just almost played an Instagram video. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Who's pretty dialed in with, I think, all three fan bases in the Metro. All of them say that he is a uh, favorite amongst Mizzou fans. 
Uh, so I, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that, you know, Missouri fans and the vibe is that they want to get rid of Drinkwitz because at least again, I don't know a Missouri fan personally. Um, I know a couple graduates. They're all female friends that, you know, we'll just leave that at that. Uh, so they don't really, they're not dialed in. Like they'll go to the Missouri homecoming game, but they, I bet you they don't even know who Eli Drinkwitz is. So I don't, I don't have a pulse on this. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. And it could be just small sample size. Well, not necessarily small, but my sample size being somewhat, you know, different area, I suppose, because I mean, Southeast Kansas, KC. You know, firsthand, I'm just going off of random people <laughs> I hear on the internet. Like, you know, CDOT follows me on Twitter, but I've never hung out with the guy. So, I, I mean, you have a better better sample size than I do. All right. But, yeah, I don't see us losing to MU because they're starting quarterback or what is projected to be their starting quarterback is a first year transfer from Ohio. And he, I don't see that being a loss. I don't see South Dakota being a loss and I don't see Tulane being a loss. So I think we escape non-con with a degree of momentum. And then we go to Norman. And if we end up winning that game, I really think that that catapults us into a whole lot of momentum to a pretty tough part of our schedule. I mean, obviously you don't, you don't get to pick the order in which you play the games, but you want to take momentum wherever you can get it. And going to Norman is it's never an easy place to play, even with the brand new first head coach, uh, first year head coach and Brent Venables and a first year quarterback to, well, no, that's not true. Dylan Gabriel's worked with Jeff Levy before, but having that new environment and the ability to knock off a blue blood gives a whole lot of momentum. So I, if we win that Oklahoma game, I think the expectation in the fan base and in the locker room will start growing to, okay. Cause in the fan base there's okay. This team could be special because on paper, they're very talented. If we win that Oklahoma game, I think there's a lot of belief and a little belief can go a long way. I will say K-State has won three out of the last five in Norman. So, I mean, stats are stats. So, I I mean, I think we're going to win by 90. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's get into the big one. Again, I've given this caveat this week. Again, next week, I'm probably going to stop giving this caveat. But uh, what is K-State's record? You're allowed to maybe change it by a game or two if something comes out in fall camp. But – uh, I want you to give me your at least your best shot at putting this in stone. I'm actually going to change my answer from when we did the preview show in June because I said nine and three then. And shout out to you guys doing a preview show in June, by the way. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> the two and a half hour preview show where we also go over death chart projections. But and I listened to every single minute of it, granted at 2x speed again. Shout out to you guys. You're my favorite K-State Sports Podcast. Appreciate that. I'm going to change it up to 10-2. and I still don't think we're beating Baylor and Waco. And I still think that because pain, there must be one random school that we lose to that we shouldn't. If I were to pick one, it's probably going to be West Virginia and Morgantown. Not because I think West Virginia is good, but because Morgantown is hell. And we pick one game per year. If we avoid that one game, 
<laughs> I mean, if we if we avoid that, I mean, that would be massive. Uh, speaking of Morgantown being hell after starting, what was it, uh, five and zero against them when they came to uh, the Big Twelve, we have lost our last three games in Morgantown. Uh, 2020, 37 to 10. Folks will recall K-State were at, was actually ranked in the top 20. And then we came back down to earth there. We got absolutely smoked in 2018. And then, of course, uh, 2016, losing 17 to 16 after being up 13 to nothing, uh, maybe at halftime or at least in the second quarter. I was there. Very painful, very painful loss but a very memorable father-son trip with my dad where we also saw the Kansas City Chiefs get absolutely smoked on Sunday night football at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, But enough about that. You have us at 10-2. and That puts us in play for Arlington. So are we facing off with, I assume, your pick of the Baylor Bears in Arlington in the Big 12 championship game? Yes, we are. And I, it's going to be a highly touted rematch. I, I don't think it will come down to one inch like the Baylor Oklahoma state game last year. All I can say for Oklahoma state fans is that's tough. I'm really sorry. That could have happened to anybody. <laughs> Cincinnati but, fans are probably pretty happy though. Yeah, that's true. Cause if they win, if Okie state wins that game, they're probably in the playoff, yes, but they are, but I honestly think it's going to be K-State Baylor in the – I think even if K-State doesn't make it, I think Baylor does. If I were to – if I were a betting man, I would automatically just drop like, I don't know, $10 on Baylor going to the nat- – not the natty, good God, the, the Big 12 championship. Just because I – why does Baylor have to get coaches that I like? Why do they have to do that? Well, we we willed uh, Matt Rule into going to the NFL pretty hard on this show. Uh, so I don't know if Dave Aranda is an NFL guy. He's so, not. I mean, I don't know what the job it would take. I mean, we tried to get Matt Campbell out of here, but I, I think he's going to come down to earth, and I won't really care about him being at Iowa State anymore. But uh, we'll, we'll come up with whatever job we can all collectively start willing Dave Aranda to here soon. I mean – Maybe LSU. I mean, maybe Brian. Well, no, because you know what? Here, here's my hot take. It might be LSU, but it's going to be in like three years. I think Brian Kelly wins a natty there and then gets fired a couple of years later. That's it. Time out. You, you gave me that look, but look, look at every everything that's happened there. Ed Ogeron wins a natty after being a failed coach at you know everywhere else. Uh, Les Miles, fine, good. You know, at uh, Oklahoma State, he wins a natty there, eventually gets fired. Uh, Nick Saban, again, good, not great at Michigan State. He goes down to LSU, wins a natty there. He goes off to the Miami Dolphins. So everything would tell you that Brian Kelly will win a national title at LSU, but then eventually get fired. So I'm just saying. So I maybe can't argue with facts. Yeah, so we're going to – I don't I don't want Aranda to be around for four more years. So, so we'll figure it out. Oh, get Aranda oh. the DC job of the Chiefs. That way, everyone wins. Well, I don't think he's going to take a defensive coordinator job. In the oh game. no, he wouldn't. That's not going to happen. No, <laughs> no. All right. So the the final question, and actually, do do you want to predict K State to win that rematch, or are you going to have Baylor winning that? 
homerism wins. I'm going to say K-State picks up another Big 12 championship. Oh, all right. That's I think we lose the first time, and it's really hard to beat a team twice. All right. Well, that is now official. Again, I'm not going to send the boneheads out to break your kneecaps if you change it, but, you know, you did predict it. Um, All right. Final one in the last question we've asked the last couple of years have been more depressing. Uh, A couple of years ago, it was how many of the 10 scheduled games would K-State play during COVID? We got all 10, even though we should not have played that Iowa State game. Uh, last year was about the future of K-State's conference affiliation. This year it is still conference affiliation, but it's a little bit more fun because uh, despite what George Kliakov w- wants you to believe, uh, the Big 12 is in a position of power. So how many teams will be in K-State's conference in 2024? In 2024, I think it's going to be 12, just like the namesake. I think we're going to get to, I think they've already announced that the new Big 12 members are going to be joining in June of next year. I think Texas and OU get out early, and that makes 12. If you ask me for the year after, in 2025, I would say 16. Well, I mean, 2024 is, uh, 2023, I believe, is the final year of the Pac-12 contract so uh i mean i i chose 2024 for a reason Hmm. so i mean just throwing that out there you know what i suppose i will change my answer given this information that i have forgotten connor's the realignment guy he's the guy that makes spreadsheets he's the guy that brought this on us yeah so i i so so your your prediction would be uh officially as of july 31st 2022 your official prediction is the Big 12 adds four Pac-12 schools. Yes. Which four? Just, just for the go, record. Just going with the standard answers of the two Arizonas, Colorado, and the one I feel worst about is probably Utah. Just the four corner schools. There we go. That's all I have for you in Blitz Month, but I want you to plug your Twitter account, tell everyone what's going on over at Aggieville Alley Cats, and then uh, any other wishes for Bonehead Nation. Let's ride. <laughs> well, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I am at ACEdwards00. If you want to follow the show where me and my lovely co-host, Connor Balthazor, talk about K-State sports, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we will be here to deliver the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. You can follow us at Aggieville ACATS. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in CATS. If you want to check out for what the show is about, it really is just two lifelong friends. Well, not lifelong. I met Connor when I was 14. But <laughs> two good friends who've gone to college together who really have a passion for K-State sports and like to pretend that they know a lot about X's and O's. Some of it's pretending, sometimes it's not, but <laughs> if you want to hear just more of, you know, just more Cats content, you can go ahead and check out the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. And as for my message to the Boneheads is, you know, just keep being you. Just the Boneheads and the Alley Cats both have a, there's like a Venn diagram where, you know, just about every Alley Cat is a, is a Bonehead, but just continue being yourself i want to give a special shout out to bob trollsby for being himself because there's nothing else i can say just thank you for being you
And that's kind of where I'll leave it off. I love it. All right. Well, if, if things go to plan, this was the cap to blitz month week one. So again, we'll be coming with three more folks who cover and talk about K-State sports next week, as well as a Monday episode. Again, I'm trying hard to get Jerome Tang, folks. I, I'm trying hard. I think it'll eventually happen. Uh, if it does happen, it'll be on one of our Monday shows. We still hopefully will be getting Gene Taylor before the season starts up as well. Uh, so just keep your ears and eyes peeled for those big shows, hopefully coming in August. But again, it's Blitz Month. We're talking to three folks every single week who cover your Wildcats. It's it's going to be fun. And again, listen to my favorite K-State sports podcast, the Aggieville Alley Cats. That's all we got. Again, I'm going to say uh, be nice to people on the internet, especially you know 17-year-old recruits. Don't at them if you're going to be mad. Just do it in your group chat. Do it on message boards. Don't do it on Twitter, even if other fan bases do it. Uh, you can be mean to Andy Staples. You can be mean to Stuart Mandel. Iowa State fans are always fair game. And KU fans, probably, except for my brother and my mother, I love them both. Uh, but other KU fans, they're fair game as well. Last rock and roll, folks. One week down, only three more to go before we're going to be at game week. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Monday. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State. Our pride is with the cats. Kansas State. Come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State. Excitement's in the air. Kansas State. The fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors everywhere. Kansas State. Our pride is with the cats. Kansas State. Come on, join the cat attack. Sports Social Podcast Network.